Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Bibles in turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And uh, we'll stand for the reading of the Word. If you're able to stand up, wonderful. If you're not able to or you don't want to, then just stand up on the inside. That's fine. Again, social distancing is in the parking lot. And if you're uncomfortable with the amount of room that we have in here, we understand. You can tune into 1610 AM and, uh, and uh, in the parking lot. It's about a, it goes about a mile from the church, a little less than that. And, uh, or you can be at home, as many are. Uh, many, many people are, and they're online, and we welcome you. Each and every one all across this great nation. Those of you that are actively a part of this church, you've not been able to come because of COVID-19. We love you. We miss you as we've reached out and called you. If you've not gotten a call from us, that means we don't have your number because we've reached out to everybody. And, uh, and we'd love to contact you and reach you. You can send us an email. You can send us, uh, you can send us a text. Church phone number 907-357-2065. Or you can email us. Uh, as I said, and uh, we're happy to reach out to you. If you want somebody to come and pray for you, if you have needs, you, you need help, that's what we're here for. We're here to help you grow in the things of God and to become all that God's intended for you to be. Powerful passage of Scripture, 1 Samuel 17. And... Um, let's just read a few verses and uh, see what happens. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Let's pray. Father, move in power. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Why don't you just... Uh, High five your neighbor or air five them if you're uncomfortable with that. Say hi to somebody. Say, man, it's good to be in church on a Wednesday night. All right. Feel a little bit of tension or conviction on my own. I, I don't know, you know, the, 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 the little um, coarse comment about the body of Christ. And sometimes I feel like we just need to be shocked. You know, it's like the bride of Frankenstein, and you're really supposed to be the bride of Christ. And so I think we've effectively even shocked my own self. But let's move, into, let's move into this text. Let's move into this text. The life of David I've been studying. I do a, I do a program every, every day, Monday through Saturday, not on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday. It's called the ETS, uh, and that's Eat the Scroll. That comes from Jeremiah as well as in Ezekiel. And um, I've had an encounter like that where I felt like I ate the scroll, got touched by God. It was sweet, and then it was bitter afterwards. I don't know if you understand that, but, but ETS is a powerful program we do for 30 minutes, sometimes 15, usually not over 30, unless I get on a rant. I'm experiencing the presence of God coming on me in the studio, my home studio frequently, to preach and teach uh, whatever we're preaching and teaching on, and people are getting touched, and people have been added to the church, and people are growing in the things of God uh, through that program. And uh, it's on Facebook on my personal Facebook page, it's a live broadcast, and then it's saved afterwards. It's on the church, uh, King's Chapel, Alaska Facebook page. It's also on YouTube, and um, we hope that you would avail yourself to that, and it will impact you. So I've been doing a series on the study of the life of David, and I'm in session four, and I'm getting so wrecked by the truth that's found in the life of David 
And as I prayed, I had a number of supernatural things take place this week, which I'll share as we move along in the text. And uh, if I was to entitle the message, I would say uh, it's called Dropping Giants. Dropping Giants. America has many giants that it's facing. The worship of self, the worship of Molech, which I believe is abortion, the worship of mammon. There's all kinds of giants in the land, and God is raising up a people with hearts like David, tender, compassionate. Now, David wasn't perfect, but there's more written about David than any other character in all of Scripture, except one. His name is Jesus. David. And if the Holy Spirit inspired the writers to write down the history of Israel and record this one, this David, there's so much about him. A man after God's own heart. Saul had been rejected because he yielded to the opinions of man. And he, he offered the sacrifice before Samuel came. And he's rejected and he's demonized. And we have demonized leadership. I don't mean in the church. Somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> Not in this one, at least I'm pretty sure. Amen. Why don't you look at your neighbor? If you see two red eyes staring back at you, just play, pray wildly in the spirit. <laughs> but we do have deep, there are pharaohs. There still are pharaohs today. There still are those with an antichrist spirit. There still are those, now Saul, before you drag him down, I mean, he, had, he was amazingly anointed at, at one point, but he rejected. He rejected the, the word of the Lord. And, and God rejected him. And he was, he was tormented. And so it says, I believe it's uh, 1 Samuel uh, 13, I, I'm searching for a man whose heart is, is after mine. And, and he says, he goes on to say that he found him. He's in the house of Jesse in Bethlehem. Now understand, that's like, I don't know, think of like a far-flung city that's small and can anything good come from Bethlehem? It's like that. It's this little itty-bitty town. It's not, it, it's, it, it's like 10 miles from Jerusalem. And the prophet comes and he's greeted by the elders. Samuel comes and the elder says, is it all right? Is everything okay? Hey, Sam, Hi. Is everything okay? Because we know when you show up, it's a little terrifying. Weather patterns changed when this prophet showed up. Okay, none of his words fell to the ground. So, you know, yeah, it's all good. They're like, whew. He goes to Jesse's house. And Jesse is the father of David. But he's also the father of seven other brothers. So the, 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 this incredible man of God, I mean... I don't, I don't know, it's like Billy, if Billy Graham was still alive and he's graduated going on to heaven, but if Billy Graham was still alive and, and you're a believer, okay, Billy Graham comes to your house and he just wants to talk to your family, okay? Just think about that for a second. So you've, you, you, you believe in God, you love God, and you've got, you've got eight siblings, eight brothers, eight sons, let's say it that way, eight sons. Billy Graham comes in and you invite seven. Because the eighth one, he came from that adulterous relationship that you have. Now, I'm throwing that in. We don't really know. But, but for whatever the reason, he's not invited. So how could you have Billy Graham? Just, just understand the weight of the rejection of David. 
And yet it doesn't seem like he cares. And so, you know, Saul, uh, uh, pardon me, Samuel's, is this everyone? Surely it's this strapping young lad talking of Eliab, who's head and shoulders above everybody else. He's the perfection of, of flesh. And God says, I've not chosen him. Man looks up at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Now, if you've been on the ETS, this is all review, but I'm going to get to it. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the, the heart. I've rejected him. If that's Jesus, just let me know. Man, man's, man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the, at the heart. Watch, it's like my phone, right? Thank God. I've rejected him. And so, so Samuel says, are these all of them? Well, there's another one. He's the youngest derogatory term. Let's think of it as runt. He's a runt. He's a, he's over there. And they like, look out the window. What? Yeah, and there's David weed whacking the lawn. He's like, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me. And they're like, David! Huh? Billy's here. Billy Graham is here. Come on in. And and he comes in young, handsome, and ruddy. Wow. And God says, that's the one. And he pours a horn of oil over him, which is a picture of, of God's enablement, God's empowerment. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. It's a picture of selection. And he anoints him as king over Israel. Where's my youth? The kid, is, the kid is 14 years old, okay? Approximately. 14, 15. It was a long time ago. So it's hard to say exactly. Pours oil over his head and anoints him to be the next king. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the brothers? Bro, what's up? How come he got picked? Because the anointing came on him in a field when he was alone with nobody. Don't, don't ever think that God put power on him, just randomly selected him. God doesn't just randomly select anybody. He defines you by the cry of your heart. That's why he'll say to a Gideon, behold, mighty man of valor. Are you talking to me? I'm the smallest in my family, and I'm hiding threshing wheat. Yeah, Gideon, I'm talking to you. You talking to me? You, you talking to me? Hello? I'm small. I don't have any gifts. I'm hiding. I'm a coward. No, you're going to be the next deliverer. God will define you by the cry of your heart. Does that encourage anybody else besides me? Come on, I'm, I'm, I've hidden at times, especially early on in my walk. I felt like I just could never do it. I would never amount to anything. I didn't have the education. I had far too, far too much red in the leisure for way too much red. Way impossible. I'm just hoping I'll make it. Just glad I'm in the game somehow. Can I just hold the door open in the house of the Lord? And yet God will define you by the cry of your heart. And so David's anointed. Now, now here's the thing. Can I talk about dropping giants? 
David is then selected. If you go read the text about his life, he's selected because he played skillfully on that instrument of his. And somebody heard about the incredible skill. And and so Saul would have a tormenting spirit come upon him. And David is randomly selected. No, no, it's not random at all. It's actually by the providence of God. God chose him. Also, David played skillfully, which means he practiced. And I think he was, he really wasn't using a weed whacker. How many of you know they didn't have a weed whacker back in David's time? He was, he was, he was shepherding the sheep and he had a harp. And he would sing, and he wrote 80 to 100 of the Psalms. You read the Psalms, they're in the middle of the Bible. He wrote 80 of them. He's the only one in all of Scripture called the sweet psalmist of Israel, David. He's a type and a shadow of Jesus, a warrior. He's 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 really a prophet. He's a king, of course. Takes a little while for that to happen. And he's a priest. Really, he's really a type of Christ. Come on, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Holy Spirit, put your hand upon me. Enable me to communicate what you want to say tonight. Touch our hearts, Lord. You're looking for Davids. You're looking for Davidettes. You're looking for men and women after your heart. We want to be that except for the Bathsheba incident. Come on, somebody say amen. David. So David is brought from little old Bethlehem to Washington, D.C. It's called Gibeah. That's where Saul was. So he's brought from his home because he can play the harp and because God gave him favor and the providence of God he's chosen and he's brought to Gibeah, which is the seat of the government for all of Israel. And that's where the the palace was. That's where Saul, the anointed king, was ruling and reigning in Gibeah. And so David went there to do what? To be a worship leader to, to help the demonized king. And what's amazing to me, and I've never seen this before, I want you to... I want you to look at verse 15. We we read it. David occasionally went to return from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So imagine you're called up to this incredible place of honor. Imagine you're called up at 13, 14, 15, some say 17. You're called up to the very head of the nation. Because you practiced and you played this instrument with this unction from God. See, some people just want to be, just want the bypass to practice, bypass to prayer. They say, Lord, you can just choose me. That's not how it works. And so David is brought there and then it says, I've never could figure this out because he would go there to to worship and to help the king. And now this big battle's going on with Goliath. And the verse says that David would occasionally go back home. I'm telling you tonight that God wants you to return to your place of visitation. 
He wants you to return to your first love. And some of you don't even have your first love yet, but you're about to find it. He returns to Bethlehem, the place of his original anointing. Why? To weed whack. To do the menial task of tending those few sheep and ministering to his father. Do you find that unusual? Someone with the heart of David was don't, doesn't mind serving, doesn't mind going the extra mile, doesn't mind doing that. And I think for David, it was like, oh my gosh, can I just, can I just go back to the field for a minute? Look what the Lord has done. I've been Gibeah. I've been sent to the White House. He healed my body. He touched my mind. Dad, you need anything? It's, it's, it's a different heart than most of the just generation. When I say generation, all of us. If you're breathing, this is your generation. It's a different heart. Everybody wants to get served. And as he's talking with his father, David, he becomes a pizza delivery boy. And, and you can look at, the, look at the verse of Scripture. Look at this. Verse 17. Verse 16, the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days. You know what the life, the life cycle of a fly is? It's interesting that the, the devil is called Beelzebub, which is a Lord of the Flies. In actual fact, it's the Lord of the Dunghill. <laughs> nice title. The cycle of a fly is 40 days. 40 days, you know, we've been in this 40-day cycle of teshuva. Now, if I shoot over your head a little bit, just take notes and go look it up. We've been in a 40-day cycle of teshuva. This is 40 days. From the we back it off from September 27th all the way back, 40 days. It's the season of teshuva. It's a very special season, and it corresponds with the 40 days that Moses was on the mountain the second time getting the second set of Ten Commandments. He went up again. You remember what happened to the first set? He had an anger problem, and he smashed him to the ground, and the earth opened up and swallowed all the rebels, right? And that's when the priests chosen and selected. I mean, the gold dust, they had to, you know, they had a, a worship part, a worship service, which is, I have to be careful, but there's, there's so much there in that. And they made him drink gold dust, which is a picture of, they ground up the gold idol and they made him drink it, which is a picture of judgment. And Moses goes up the second time that period of 40 days is a period of repentance and self-examination to get ready for the new year. That's what that is. And so this 40 days, this Philistine, if you do a study of 40 days in Scripture, it's profound. So this Philistine comes 40 days, and he's defying the armies of God. And so Jesse, the son, the father of David, Tells David, take this flour, dried grain, and 10 loaves of cheese. See, flour and cheese, pizza. Pizza, pizza. He's a pizza delivery boy. He's delivering some, some bread and some cheese. And uh, he goes down there. Look at the verses of Scripture with me because we'll get in a little bit more depth. 
carry these 10 cheeses to the captain of their thousands, verse 18, New King James Version. See how your brother fare. Bring back news of them. Now Saul, and then all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning. He left the sheep with the keeper. It's good stewardship. He didn't just abandon them. And he took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. He came to the camp of the army, going out, as a, going out to fight and shouting for the battle. Verse 21, for the Israel and the Philistines had drawn up battle array, army against army. David left his supplies, delivered his pizza. So the supply keeper ran to the army and came to greet his brothers. Verse 23, then he talked with them there was this champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up out of the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. In other words, he said this over and over for 40 days. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Okay, so he's just a little bit less than 10 feet tall. Pretty big dude. And they were dreadfully afraid. So all the men said, have you seen this man? He is huge. That's my emphasis. Man who's come up surely, he's come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills the king will enrich with great riches. Man who kills him, pardon me, the king will enrich with, I knew something was wrong with that. I started talking about killing the king. The man who kills Goliath, the king will enrich with great riches and will give him his daughter. Whoa. I think every strapping teenager would be excited about that. He gets to be royalty if he wins. Seriously motivated. Oh, obviously you guys have never been teenagers, so let's just move on. (laughs) And give his father's house tax exemption. Verse 26, and David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done? It's like he can't believe it. What'll be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Who is this? Who is this fat-headed, uncircumcised Philistine? Are you kidding me right now? Are you talking to me right now? What's going to be done? Seriously? I get to get tax exemption for my dad and the whole house? And where's the girl? Let me see her first. Let me see her. Doesn't say that, right? <laughs> Takes away the reproach. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? We're in verse 26b. That he should defy the armies of the living God. What a revelation. The armies of the living God. And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. And Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the man, and Eliab and his anger arose against David, and he said, Why did you come out here? With whom have you let those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and insolence of heart. You've come down here to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Has anybody got siblings? I'd be like, seriously, you're picking on me again? Are you seriously picking on me? It's enough you guys didn't invite me when Billy Graham came. Seriously? What's your problem? And then he says this, is there not cause? Leave it up, please. Is there not a cause? Now think about this for a moment. 
what cost. David had this intimate walk with God where God had touched him and delivered him from the lion. And he delivered him from the bear. And he was in love with God. I think he's, he, I think he's just radically in love with God. And there is a generation of people that God is trying to touch. I would be the worst youth pastor on the planet because I'd come back to see what's up. She's taking notes. <laughs> My son's like opening his book. Hey! <laughs> I got you, Dad. I got you back. <laughs> You're a great man of God. What are we talking about? I got distracted. Is there not a cause? He's so in love with God that when, when he shows up, he's like, somebody's got to do something. Has anybody seen somebody been picked on as totally like, that's not fair. You know, when somebody's bullied, hello, hello, don't make me come back there again. When somebody's bullied, I don't know, I got something on the inside of me like, don't be bullying somebody when I'm around. I just, it, I just tilts, it just makes the tea kettle go, Doot! it just does something in me. So David, it's like a warning whistle goes off because he so loves God and he's had this encounter with God and he's making, he's writing these Psalms and he's like, look what the Lord has done, yeah. And there he is. And everybody's like, oh yeah, no, we're finished. He's like, what are you talking about? He thinks differently. Where is a generation, where is the generation that won't be stuffed into some hole and, and, and bow down to mammon, bow down to idolatry, bow down to sex, bow down to the phone? Where is a generation that can fall in love with God that they'll go to the far-flung corners of the world to reach people for Jesus? Somewhere, where is a generation that won't close church? You see, we understood, if I might say this, when COVID-19 came, I understood health code, and we obeyed the Lord first and foremost. We, we endeavored to. But anytime authority rises up to begin to emphasize and put their structure over the church, you know what's not being uh, polled and examined? How many people have offed themselves because they had no more community? They didn't have people to love on them. How many people weren't reached because churches have shut down? Listen, it's not the only pandemic the church has ever been through, and I'm going to tell you it ain't going to be the last one. Is there not a cause? Amen. He's like, are you serious? This, this guy's nothing. This is nothing. God can take care of this thing. God can intervene. God can do something. Let's fight for God's sake. Let's do, is there not a cause? And you know, when God anoints you with a heart like David, and many of you, many of you understand this, when God puts favor on you and puts his power on you and begins to elevate you in the marketplace, 
begins to elevate you in government, begins to elevate you in school, when God puts his power on you and begins to elevate you like he did David, because that's what's happening, he's being elevated. Because after this, he drops that ugly fat head and he becomes a national hero. And they write songs about him. And all the girls are like, David, oh. And they write this song that becomes top, you know, top 10 in the nation. On Casey Kasem's top 10. If you understand what I just said, you're over 50. Forty. Saul slayed his thousands. David his ten thousands. Yeah, they, they sing this song. I probably shouldn't do that again. Right. Amen. Saul slayed his thousands. Praise break. It's 8.20. There's nothing on Netflix, and there ain't ever going to be anything on Netflix in my house. I canceled it, all of that. that I'm going to tell you, I'm appalled. I canceled Netflix today. Goodbye with their pedophile shows. Goodbye. Bye, bye, missing that. Bye, bye. Talk to the hand. Ain't going to pay the pedophile thing. Ain't going to Hey! Ah! Don't do it. Somebody say, don't do it. I've been fasting for three days, so if you understand why things are so scrambled. But I do sense the Lord's taking us somewhere tonight. Lift your hands to heaven and say, God, give me a heart like David, except for the Bathsheba thing. Go ahead. Come on, say it again. Give me a heart like David. Except for the Bathsheba issue. <laughs> Beth who? Bathsheba. When God puts his hand on you, begins to elevate you. will always have jealous leaders. You'll always have jealous people that come around you and say, Oh, what? So you saved like for three weeks now and you didn't cast out devils? Oh, shut up. I was going to start talking about the bride of Christ again, but I got myself in trouble in that first part, so I'm just not going to go there right now. If you read 1 Corinthians 13, you'll find out what really love really is. And it has nothing to do with your feelings. It has everything to do with commitment. And jealousy is not an aspect or a quality of love. Unless you understand godly jealousy, which Oprah Winfrey didn't. Oh, some of you don't know this, so I'll go ahead and share it. It's not in my notes. I read, read testimony, her in her own words, that when she was in church, she heard that God was a jealous God. You go, you go look it up. She heard that God was a jealous God. She thought, what is God jealous of me for? I must have something that he doesn't have. And, and I'm paraphrasing. And she said, I'm going to serve no God that's jealous of me. I'm going to go be me. 
I'm not here to judge her. I don't know where she's at right now. She did make her own religion and was going to split hell wide open. I don't care how popular based upon that which I saw. But, you know, I pray God save her, touch her, heal her. Amen. We don't have any animosity towards her. But the understand jealousy is not an aspect or a quality of love that we would have. It is an aspect or a quality of the highest form of love. You see, it's this, that God loves you so much. He loves you. He's so crazy. He's so crazy over you. Crazy that he will kill anything that gets in the way of your relationship with him. And so he, that's, he, he, he's crazy about you. Crazy, crazy like you can't imagine crazy. Loves you so much he, he died for you. He rose again from the grave for you. And so that's why when you run from him, it just doesn't seem to work and it crashes and burns. That's a sign of his great love for you. You gotta come on back, bring your little feet on back to heaven. Bring your feet back to Jesus. Eliab is jealous of David and he saw the anointing, he saw all of that. David thought differently. He was able to overcome the rejection of his home. He was able to overcome the rejection and misunderstanding of others, including his own family. And I've seen this. I've seen when family members come into the kingdom and they start declaring Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Everybody ain't so happy about that, you know. I've seen that before. I've seen it in homes. I mean, it was okay when he was drinking like a 24-pack of Bud Dummer and then he's just totally stone drunk all the time. It's like, oh yeah, we're really concerned about him. Then he gets gloriously saved he's no longer drinking he's on fire and they're like no we're really concerned now oh we're what kind of insanity is that does anybody know what i'm talking about oh you go to that church way too much would you would it be better that he like rotting his liver would that be better would he be more happy if he was drinking a fifth of jack every day but that's what happens and it's a demonic thing And the enemy will raise up, listen, when God's elevating you, when God puts his power on you, when God puts his anointing on you, you will have opposition and you'll have critics. Don't let them move you in the same way that pride doesn't move you. If you take your audibles from people telling you how great you are and you let that just make you feel good, we all need encouragement. I try to encourage as much as I can. My wife is one of the greatest encouragers I know. But if you're constantly looking for the, the accolades, the applaud of man, and the pat on the back, then you're not getting your identity from what God actually says about you. You're trying to get it from God. It's based on your success or your lack thereof. So, so does God love you? If, you? if you walked on the water, then God loves you. It's performance orientation, to quote Elijah House literature, the Sanfords. Performance orientation is that, that you would just do really well and really successful and make the money and hit the home run and, and hit the, get the hole in one and marry the girl or marry the guy and, and just be just all that and a bag of chips and three Coca-Colas. And then everybody's just going to think, oh, it's the bag of three chips and Coca-Colas guy. Here he comes. Here she comes. Look how beautiful. Her eyebrows are so on point. My gosh, those arches, get that like perfect. My God. My God. God, it's amazing. It's like glory shooting out of her face. Oh my God. And then yeah, when somebody says they don't like your hair or they don't like the way that you look or that you're too fat or you're too thin or you're you ugly, you ugly, you you know, then 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 what ends up happening is you then feel bad. 
Listen, I hope you youth are hearing me. Then you start feeling bad because, you know, well, maybe my eyebrows aren't on point. I have a monobrow and my mom won't let me get it fixed. Listen, if you have no eyebrows, a unibrow, a monobrow, or your eyebrows are on point, God loves you just the way that you are, and you got to get your identity. you got to get your identity from what God says, not from what... What does God say about you? you got to get your identity from what God says, not from what people say. And if pride causes you to get puffed up, then you'll be, you'll be, you'll be getting, taking beatings when the criticism comes. And anytime God elevates a church, elevates a people, elevates leadership, puts his power on somebody, then the critics come rolling out to beat the fool out of you. But you just need to be like a David. Bring, I love you, Lord. Bring, and I live my voice. To worship you, oh my soul, rejoice, take joy, my king. Ye <laughs> in what? It's too high. In what you hear? I know you were praying in tongues right there for me, weren't you? Let it be a sweet, sweet sound. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. When you don't really give a fig what people think and you care more about what the Lord says, then you'll be like those with a heart like David. If you're going to drop giants, which we are anointed to do, that's why this church is here. That's why God placed us in the middle of the most incredible state in the old union. That's why God has called us to do what he's called us to do from KSM to our life groups, to all of our teams, media going all over the world, is because he has called us to summon David's. He's called, and when I say David, I mean men and women at, with, with a heart after God. Because there are giants in the land, and you've got to learn to think differently. You've got to read the word. You've got to know the word. You've got to speak and pray the word, and you've got to act on it. Listen, just because your hair stood on end or is standing on end, on end right now, and you've got, man, i got goosebumps. You feel the presence of the Lord. I'm so glad for the presence of the Lord. But there's a time when you don't feel goosebumps, and then you just got to obey. And it's amazing how his power will come on you in your obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. You know what that means? It means, God, I'm going to please you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to serve you. Even though my family didn't invite me to the Billy Graham thing, you saved me from the line of the bear. You redeemed me. You purchased me. You bought me. You became a propitiation for my sin. And though my family might reject me, my my father and mother reject me, the Lord will accept me. David had a heart like that. And when he was in shock, Is there not cause? Let me ask you this. Is there not cause for giving all of your life to the gospel? Giving all of your life in worship? Half-hearted measures will avail nothing. They will never bring the kind of incredible life and life abundant that God has for you. You will never attain it. It'll never come. It's not that you earn it. 
But I've begun to understand in a deeper way that as I obey the boundaries and the confines of Holy Scripture, it releases a fire on the inside of me that nothing else can. You couldn't get me to go back. You'd have to shoot me first. I ain't going back because there ain't nothing to go back to. I had the barbecue. I burned all the 12 oxen, yoke of oxen, 24 ox of yoking. Oak of Yoxen, yes. What's your plan B? You have one? God wants to raise up David's. It's 8.32. I charge you, I ask you, as an ambassador, Give your all to God because that squad that doesn't like your eyebrows and the employer that wants you to compromise but doesn't like you because you won't and the fads they'll come and they go God is looking throughout the earth for a man, for a woman whose heart is steadfast towards him. I think his gaze has come to rest on some of you. Turn to the book of Amos. Oh my. I'll talk in generalities I shared in morning prayer. Amos, I'll get there. Chapter 2. Pastor Karen, help me not forget. Amos 2. 2008, we met some missionaries. We went to witness to them. We didn't know they were missionaries. And when we went to witness to them, they, they laughed and said, we were going to tell you about Jesus, actually. So well, I beat you. No, I didn't say that. We laughed. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And they said, well, we're missionaries to this certain place that's in the 1040 window, and I need to say it that way. I'm like, whoa, that's heavy. Like, yeah, we've been there for five years. How it's going? Well, it's hard. We've got, we got one person saved in five years. One. They've given their whole life to go to a place where you could lose your life, and they've reached one. I felt led to invite them to church, and some of you came. It's 2008. He came and he preached that night. And I've shared this a couple times, but I, but I just need to share it again. He came and he preached that night and he brought us, anybody been to like, you know, the old school kind of missionary, you know, they bring the yak butter and some hair from a yak and they, you know, they bring some stuff and some maps and, 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 and slideshow. And anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody been in the like kind of old school missionary thing? And he's on furlough. It's his last week, he shares. And uh, we were all blessed. How many of you were in that meeting? You remember that, Pastor Karen, thank you so much. She's been in every meeting, we've been in every meeting together. Powerful service, Minister Michael led worship that night, you remember, right? That means you were here also. That's when you had like three kids, two kids, one. 
Two. Okay. Be fruitful and multiply. And, amen. Everybody leaves. And I'm, I'm, I'm alone there. I think Karen, Pastor Karen went home. And I'm alone standing with this man. And after everybody leaves, I mean, like, do you want, you want to go get some? No, I don't want to get anything. I said, oh, okay. And everybody looked at the, tasted the yak butter and yak milk and everything. And eventually everybody left. And it's just me and the, and the, and the missionary. And he says this to me. I want what you have. I'm like, uh, what are you talking about? He's like, the power of God. I heard about churches like this. I know you have it. I know you got the power, and I want it. I thought, wow, I know what you're talking about. He says, yeah, yeah, I want that. I said, let's go to my office. So we went up to my office just upstairs. It used to be my office. It's now a, the fireside room that hosts many different ministries throughout the week. And I moved into a closet. <laughs> Hallelujah. I give up my office anytime. In fact, we're about to give up the closet. <laughs> Make more room. We went up there and I, I go to close the door and I turn around and he's on his knees with his hands raised. He's like, I'm ready. I said, well, hold on a second. Let me talk to you. I preached to him out of Acts 2. I just took about five minutes to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the gifts of the Spirit. He said, I'm ready. So I said, I'm going to pray. And when the moment comes, I feel I'm going to lay hands on you. God's going to fill you. You're going to get the power of God. Your whole life's going to change. He's like, I'm ready. Okay. And so I start praying. I start praying. I start thanking God for him. Start thanking God for the, the work there in that country. And I start praying. I start feeling the power and the fire of God. Now, if you don't understand that, just stick around. You will. And it's just kind of like this wind began to blow. I mean, this is my experience. I got, I got like a top 10 touch from the Holy Spirit. But it's hard to say that was the best. I can't say that. Like that was the most overwhelming, incredible. There's different anointings that come. Different enablements of the Spirit. There's healing. There's deliverance. There's empowering. There's gifts of healing. There's miracles. There's signs. There's wonders. The wind of the Spirit just comes and I just feel like now is the time. And I go and I lay hands on this guy and I pray with everything I got. I'm weeping, I'm crying. I'm like, in Jesus' name, I let go. And I'm like, he's just gonna be transformed. This is what happens. I lay hands on him. I come, I, I let, take, take my hands off. He's like, yeah, I don't know. Don't feel anything. I thought, what? okay. He's like, yeah, I just don't want to fake it. You know, I want it to be real. I'm like, for sure. No, I'm, I'm dumbfounded because I'm like, how does God come on me? Like, it's like he hooked two, two batteries, you know, it's like I took both ends of the battery from heaven and just, gah, 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 gah. and so I'm like, geez, I'm like, ah. well, yeah, you know, that's a pretty good time, you know, well, and I took all of my Holy Spirit books off of my, and I handed them a stack of books like this. And off he went. We never heard from him for a couple years. And some of you have heard this story. A couple years later, he contacts us and said, you know, I probably should have called you. I said, yeah, what happened? He said, you know, when I left your office that night, I was driving to Anchorage. I got on the mud flats. And the power of the Holy Spirit hit me. I began to pray in other tongues. I said, whoa, dude, you should have called me. He said, by the time I got home, this is how I remember it. He, it's possible he's going to come speak for us in the next week. 
So I'll, I'll let you know. I can't confirm that right now. But if he does, we'll let you know. And you do not want to miss that if he comes. So I'll just let you know. It be, would be Sunday night the 27th, but we'll see what happens. He got home. His wife, as I remember him telling me, his wife saw him and said, oh my God, you got it. You got it. Pray for me. He lays hands on his wife. His wife gets filled with the Holy Spirit. They then go back to that country that I'm not going to tell you where it's at. And his landlord has some chronic problem and they feel like they should just lay hands on him and pray for healing. When they laid hands on him and prayed for healing, he got radically healed. And as I recall, he became his second convert. And then what happened over a period of time is he began to win souls one after another, after another, after another. And God gave him a strategy of business mixed with ministry. And he began to do these businesses and these minutes and began to reach people in profound ways. He was there for the next 10 years. I just had lunch with him. You know where I'm going with this, right? Okay, you're about to. I had lunch and we, we talked. He was interrogated by that horrible regime for 30 hours. They had hacked his computer, hacked his email, got all his contacts, had a file this big in front of him, knew his sending church. By the way, after he got baptized in fire, the sending church decided they didn't want to send him anymore and he got persecuted by them. So he got some other sending church after that. They rejected him. They pulled an Eliab on him. Who do you think you are? Well, over the next 10 years, he's led countless amounts of people. And if he comes, he'll tell you the numbers. But And he's there being interrogated. And he's praying that God will give him a prophetic word for the officer. I mean, there's video. There's people there. He's in trouble. He's going to go to jail, maybe lose his life. You understand? And the Lord told him what to say all the way along. And finally, at the end, they're going to let him go. You're, you're being removed from the country. And he felt this moment of grace and favor to ask, why? Why now? So he asked him, why now? Why are you kicking us out now? You have this file, 10 years, you have all this. All I've done is good. Helped the economy, helped people. Why now? Why after 15 years I've been here, 10 years you have all, why now? And he said, you have become too influential. And everywhere you go, you change the places that you go to. You've become, you've had too much power. One little guy filled with the Spirit. Because I believe he said in his heart, who is this giant, this Goliath that should keep all of these people headed to hell? It should not be. Is there not cause? Is there not a cause? So he gave his all. He sacrificed everything, even willing to lay his life down for the cause of the gospel. Where is a people like that? So many want the exhilaration and the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through their life, but they're not willing to push themselves away from the table to fast. They're not willing to push themselves away from the Snapchat. You're still doing notes. And they're not notes from the message. You're distracted, perhaps. You're seduced by the culture. Though I know there's whole bunches of people that aren't, and I'm thankful. 
But I'm telling you, we've got to raise up a David generation that'll love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength and be willing to go to the far-flung corners of the world because there is a cause. There is a hell. There is a heaven. And your life, your life and mine have a purpose. You're not here by some freak accident. You didn't crawl out of some primordial slime. You're not a descendant of apes. You're created in the image of God. You have, you have emotions and a sense of right and wrong. Whales don't. Porpoises don't. Dogs don't. And yet in this world, when you remove God, and it makes man the center of everything. And he can get closer to a sea turtle or closer to a whale and get more trouble than it is to kill and murder a baby. You think in terms of moral motion, not, not, not uh, laws of, of society made up by man. We need a generation that's going to rise up and drop the giants. Drop, drop the giants of insecurity. Drop the giants of, of, of mammon. Drop the giants of, of lust and greed. Drop the giants of your, your, your electronic device. It's like you're bowing down to it. I mean, my God, go look at your screen time. You live on that thing. Your eyes are red and they're falling out of your skull because you spend so much time. Maybe I should look over here. Are you getting anything? It's 844. I'm almost done. I'm closing. This is my final close. Acts 2 and 11. And the Lord says, I also raised up prophets from among your children and Nazarites from your youth. Is this not true? People of Israel, declares the Lord. But you made the Nazarites drink wine. Understand a Nazarite vow was to one of the aspects of that, just not drink wine, not to be intoxicated, ever. And what he's saying is you talk them out of that. Like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Wine's not that big deal. Is what is wine? Oh, oh, am I getting on your nerve? Let me get on your last one. Oh, wine's not that big a deal. What's the big deal? Fruit of the vine. Jesus, but if you look at the, the wedding of Cain at Galilee, Jesus made a time for Everybody can take time for wine funny thing is, in this country, it seems that those who give themselves, well, I can tell you pastors that have been pulled over of mega churches that then blow the breathalyzer and they're intoxicated and they, and they bring reproach. There is, a, there is a generation that has a burning fire and a passion to serve God. Don't talk them out of it. Don't let anybody talk you out of being set apart and on fire. And if they don't like it, let them keep their stinking eyebrows. Let's talk about eyebrows and eyelashes when we get to heaven. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Oh, yeah. Things are so important. I'll tell you what's important. is giving your life to God. From this day, the rest of your life, and that through you, he would bring forth this incredible fragrance. Nothing satisfies but Jesus. No girl, no guy, no money, no fame, no fortune, 
Not the applause of man, the ring or the robe. Nothing satisfies but Jesus. How do you know? I know. I have one of those unusual lives. Been in the full floor apartments on Fifth Avenue, the debutante balls, and I happen to have slept on cardboard as well. And I wasn't just trying it out. It was the warmest place I could find that night. I have one of those unusual stories. And I'm not sure all the reasons for it. I mean, I know that it wasn't God's design, but God worked it for good. And I'm telling you, all of the youth, all of the young adults, all of the seniors, and everyone under the sound of my voice, you were created for a purpose. You were created to do exploits for God. The book of Daniel, the prophet says, and those that know you will do great exploits. And he goes on to say, they will shine like stars in the firmament. That's when they look at you in high school and they want to pity you. You're moved with compassion. You lay hands on the sick and you see them recover. You're not taking your calls. You're not taking your calls from man, whether they like you or they hate you. There's always likers and haters. Who cares? What does God say about you? What, what does the Lord say about you? He says, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you a hope and a future, not to harm you, but to bless you. You call on him and he'll answer you, Jeremiah 29, 11, a favorite verse of mine. God is raising up a generation. Don't talk him out of it. The, God is coming to our youth group with fire. took Naz, you made the Nazarites drink wine and you commanded the prophets not to prophesy. Youth, youth prophesy. There's a generation that God wants to use to drop giants. A generation that will be great in the kingdom. Great in the eyes of God is not necessarily great in the eyes of man. Drop your giants. Is there not cause? He was crucified. Don't let his death and his resurrection be in vain. Embrace, embrace the cross and the resurrection. Live a life set apart from God and watch and see what he'll do. He might just use you like he did that missionary. You know what he's going to do now? He's training dozens and dozens of missionaries to send him on back into the same place that he was kicked out of. And all the people, the disciples that he trained and all the business and all the things continues on. And the gospel goes ahead with power, with signs and wonders and miracles. You can try to kick a man out, but once he's gotten people redeemed and preached the good news of Jesus, it doesn't matter whether he dies, even if a kernel falls to the ground and it dies, it'll bring forth... It'll bring forth a harvest. Can you say amen? Did you get something from God? Come on, stand up on your feet. Lift your hands to the heavens and call on his name. Come on, call on his name tonight. Here's what I want to do. You're saying tonight, you're going to go all the way. You're going to turn your back on the world. You're going to turn your back on the devil. You're going to turn your back on this culture. And you're going to live for God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Listen, I've answered dozens of altar calls like this and then faltered. But God, in the end, has brought me to a place that I'm at by the grace of God and forgetting that which lies behind. I'm going to press on to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I had to repent a whole bunch this week. That's the life that you live. Come on. Is there not cause? Don't let the blood of Jesus be in vain. Don't let the crucifixion and resurrection count for nothing. Answer the call. Answer the cause.
God's speaking to you tonight. You're saying, that's me. I'm going to do my everything. I'm turning my back. I'm going to live for God all across this place. Run to the front if that's you right now. Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Come. Do it now. Do it now. Come. You're saying, I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm never going back. All the way up to the stairs. Make lots of room for everybody. Holy Spirit. We stand before you. We make a commitment tonight. Come on, up, squeeze up. Again, the social distancing is in the parking lot. And if you're concerned about that, I understand. Then just filter back however you want to do it. I'm going all the way. I'm never going to turn aside again. I'm going to live for you. I will not let your blood be in vain. Come on, say this before the Lord. Say, Heavenly Father, I pledge my sacred honor and my life to live for you. From this day forward, with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul and all my strength. Help me by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Now just lift your hands. Let the Holy Spirit touch you. It takes God to live for God. You can't do it by yourself. That's what happened to that precious brother and his wife. They got the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why they were able to bring so many, so much fruit in the next 10 years when in five years they could only reach one. How could that be? The Lord sometimes gives me uh, insight, prophetic insight. And uh, I have a word for this precious lady right here, straight ahead. Yeah, just nod. It's you. Here's your word. God has heard your cry and your intercession. And I see you even sitting on the edge of your bed asking for wisdom. You've been able to overcome many, many obstacles. The Lord says that he has heard your cry and he's bringing forth a glorious breakthrough for you and your family. Your prayers have been precious before the throne of God. You're giving your sacrifice. You're keeping your heart in the midst of opposition and even rejection. The Lord is releasing his power and his favor upon you and your family. And he's going to turn the battle at the gate. And what the devil meant for evil, God is going to turn for good. And I even see one coming in repentance before you, asking for forgiveness. And I also see restitution of that which was taken. God is going to restore. God is going to heal. God is going to bless you and raise you. Is that your daughter and your daughter up? Your whole, your both daughters, all of them all, to be like David's, Davidettes, after God's own heart, to bring about His plan. There's a generational blessing that's about to overtake you. Even prayers that were prayed in the previous generation. Be encouraged. Be blessed. Come on, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Come on, sing it again all together. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a 
the battle. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see the victory. I'm gonna we declare your victory, victory in America. An army arrives. For the battle belongs Come on with all your heart, sing it. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a By your victory. anointing. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see it. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed, those online, those in the parking lot, on all of our platforms, those here in the sanctuary, you're not right with God. Give your heart to Jesus for the first time tonight. Or make a recommitment. If you drifted, you're not as on fire as you used to be. You're not walking with the Lord and you want to be. You want heaven to be your home. You want to receive Jesus in recommitment. Or thirdly, you just want to be assured of your salvation. The devil lies to you. You're not sure if you're saved. You want to be included in this prayer. Number one, you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the first time. You've never done it before, but you're going to do it tonight. Number two, you want to receive Jesus in recommitment. You drifted. He doesn't drift. We drift sometimes. You want to come home. You want to recommit. You want to sell out. You want to go all the way with Jesus. That's number two. Number three, you just want to be assured of your salvation all across this place, on all of our platforms, 16, 10 a.m. On the count of three, if that's you, slip your hand up. One, two, three. Do it now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Lift your hand high. Be unashamed. God bless you. 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 All the way in the back, I see that hand. Thank you for your honesty. Anybody else? Raise your hand high. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In the parking lot. Praise the Lord. Online. Come on, pray this prayer with me right out loud. Repeat after me. Do I have to do it out loud? Yes. You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth unto salvation. Come on, pray right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life and be my Lord, be my Savior. And just as Jesus rose again from the grave, raise my life up now. Wash me and cleanse me and make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Would you surrender? Universal sign is to lift your hands. Father, I pray with every hand that's lifted now that your power, your fire, your anointing, your enablement would come upon these. I break every chain. I break off addiction right now. I break off every curse, every generational curse and iniquitous pattern. I break off soul ties in the name of Jesus. And sever every chain, every, every cord. We sever it now and we declare these free by the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. Fill them now. Fill these now. Fill them now with your Holy Spirit. Come on, if you have the freedom to pray in your heavenly language, go ahead. If you don't, ask God to fill you right now, just a moment longer. Be filled. 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 Be filled right now. Be filled right now. Be filled. Be filled. Be filled to overflowing. Put your best hand clap together for God. 
Dead ahead, good-looking guy with the beard and the blue stripes. The Lord says, you got nothing to worry about. It's all going to work out. Simple word. I hope you got something from God. I did. Thank you for coming tonight. Let me bless you. Service will be concluded. You can stick around and worship and pray if you want to. Worship team, if you would. Father, thank you for what you've done. You raising up an army, by the way. Welcome to the army of God. You're raising up an army to change the culture. To invade the culture. Is there not cause? Lives hang in the balance. I pray. Raise up pastors and preachers and evangelists and apostles and prophets. Raise them up right from this place. Raise up people, Lord, to invade the culture in in the education, in the arts, in politics. Raise up teams of people to flood the nations, to plant churches, because, Lord, your, your blood is not in vain. We say yes, and we commit ourselves to the cause of dropping giants, to loving you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, to being lovers of God and deliverers of men. In Jesus' name, now bless your people, cause your face to shine upon us, lift up your countenance towards us, be gracious to us, keep us, and give us peace. Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.